Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Battles continue to rage as Russia is set to be moving Ukraine's grain to countries friendly to Putin. So battles rage in Ukraine as well. NATO has increased its promised arms shipments, or at least promised to increase the shipments to the Ukraine military, which is punching above its weight, as we know. Steps uh, being taken to permit Ukraine's entry into the European Union. There's a lot to talk about, including life for the people in Ukraine at this time, after four months of invasion by Russia. We're joined by Ukraine's ambassador to Canada, Ambassador Yulia Kovalev is with us. Madam Ambassador, thank you very much for taking the time. How are you? Thank you. And first of all, let me congratulate all the Canadians with the Canadian week day and Canadian weekend. And I would like to thank on behalf of all the Ukrainians uh, to the Canadian people for the strong support and standing with Ukraine for many years and decades, but especially with these four months of the full-scale Russian war. Yeah, you have a tremendous amount of national support in this country and it's manifested every day i see it in emails i hear it in phone calls and we see canadians really committed to ukraine not only ukraine's survival but ukraine prospering thank you for that sentiment madam ambassador let me ask you about this the ukraine military is performing tremendously well against what has been billed as one of the world's strongest military powers russia you do need sophisticated equipment to fight the russians are the promises made by NATO nations to continue supplying arms to Ukraine going to meet your military's daily requirements? Yes, indeed, the, all the Ukrainian nations. But first of all, uh, the brave men and women who are now with this particular moment on the front line, these are the real heroes, not only for Ukraine, but for the democratic world. And actually, they showed for these last four months this courage of protecting our country, but also in a broader scope, the European security. With so-called second biggest army in the world, I'm specifically saying the so-called, but it turned out to be not so strong. Uh, but unfortunately, the, the situation on, on the East is quite hard, and we are losing a lot of people every day. And this is because we do need more the weapon supply, we do need heavy weapons, more art artillery. This, together with this courage spirit of, of Ukrainians, which were, by the way, well-trained for, for the last four years with the basic support of Canada and the program training program Unifier that was launched back almost six years ago. And that's why the, the delivery of the new weapons and the quick delivery of the new weapons is quite essential for us to keep the front line and that was uh, that was one of the big news on the NATO summit where the countries like Canada like US like Great Britain like Denmark and the others uh, promised and pledged to the new military support of Ukraine now it's important that all of these promises will be that they will be delivered quick so that Ukrainian soldiers can use it within the days and weeks on the battlefield. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because we remember when it began, there was a feeling that the Russians would be in Kiev within 72 hours. That was some of the feeling. Here we are four months later, and the Ukraine military has pushed them back. Even without the equipment that was necessary, you basically fought with one hand tied behind your back because you didn't have the, the air cover. But, Madam Ambassador, it must be agonizing for you and President Zelensky, who I understand you know very well, and, and your entire government to witness the war crimes being committed by Putin and his military against the civilian population of Ukraine. Would you provide us a perspective of what Putin is doing to the children and women of Ukraine? Most of your military-age men are fighting, of course. So we all see these horrific pictures of uh, Bucha, Irpin. Uh, we haven't seen much pictures of Mariupol, where the situation is much worse, just because the Russian soldiers are keeping the city under control. And a lot of, like, over 300 children were killed during these four months. And these are the war crimes that we are working together with the partners to file the case and make Russia and Putin accountable for all of these war crimes. But coming back to the weapons, as we see the, the war is going on, we really understand that quick supply of the heavy weapons is the major tool to avoid this further atrocities. Because every day, especially this week, unfortunately, almost every day there were severe missile attacks. And the, the last one, which was uh, for the Odessa civilian buildings, took life for 21 people, including kids. So the weapon supply is actually a part of the humanitarian mission to... Uh, not to allow any further significant uh, civilian casualties in Ukraine. Yeah, you think about what they've done. It's, it is such a horror and such an outrage. Let me just ask you about the other aspect of what is an international crisis. And what's the real situation as far as Ukraine's massive amounts of grains ready for export are concerned, export to a hungry world? We, we live in a world on the edge of mass starvation, millions of people who may have nothing to eat. And yet Ukraine grains are blocked from exiting your country via the Black Sea, by the Russian Navy. Is there a way to resolve this situation? We need to be very clear here, uh, realizing that Putin is also using both grain and the energy as a weapon. And this weapon is already hitting the people and the nations in the countries who are uh, hundreds and thousands of kilometers far away from Ukraine. Because we are now, uh, with the blockade of the seaports, as Ukraine being one of the biggest agri-exporters in the world, the price for the food is now on the peak of the last 60 years. So this war is already hitting the, the grocery bills for everybody in the world. And that is, that is the usage of uh, food as a weapon. And, of course, the most severe consequences will be coming with the short, shortage of food, especially in the countries of Africa and Middle East, where people just have a risk of feeling the famine and hunger. And uh, as of Ukraine, and I think from the very first day of, uh, of the Russian invasion, Ukraine is ready to export and is now working with our European partners to rejoin the European roots of the agri-export. But if we look on the reality, uh, before the war, Ukraine was exported around 
five million pounds uh, of the agri food per month. Now, um, with all of the efforts we are doing and with the great support of Canadian government to help us for the grain storage, we, we are doing around two million, a little bit more than two million a month. But look, we have now on the stock around 20 million tons of grain. So with such a speed, and if we will not be able to unblock the port, just only the current stock of the grain will be exported only within the next 10 months. So yeah. it is now a huge risk for, for everybody, and especially for the 40 million people, which UN already stated are at risk of the famine within the next few months. Yes. Yes. You're an expert um, on issues of uh, of uh, fuel and uh, energy. What level of concern does your government have that European and other nations, still dependent on Russian oil and particularly Russian natural gas, may attempt to reestablish some level of purchase uh, of both of them from Putin, particularly as winter begins to make its presence felt? Are you concerned? Actually, I think many of the European countries only now realized how for the last decade they have been built this big uh, reliance on both Russian natural gas and uh, Russian oil. And this dependency uh, actually now is a huge risk for their energy security. Look on, on the actions of Russia and its monopoly Gazprom for the last three weeks. They are blaming the sanctions and they are blackmailing other countries but actually what they are doing they are just uh, cutting the european countries from the uh, from the gas supply and threatening the energy security for the next winter which is their usual strategy unfortunately we in ukraine faced it many times so we were three times cut off just in the middle of the winter just in the new year season from the natural gas supply to ukraine but we proved ourselves, uh, like it was back in 2004, 2008, uh, and 2014-15. So we witnessed on our side how Russia was using energy to push the government uh, on more policies, on more so-called friendly policies of Russia. And now Russia is trying to do the same with other European countries. Uh, but it is a very dangerous path if they would follow it, because uh, that will increase more dependency on Russia. And look, just for the 100 days of the war, uh, the, the countries paid over $90 billion for the Russian export of oil and gas. So actually, we all understand that this money is the money which are going then to finance uh, the war in Ukraine. And the biggest portion of it was uh, paid by the, actually by the European countries. And where here we are very grateful for the brave decision of the uh, and important decision of Canadian government to sanction any services that could be provided to Russian oil and gas sector. And these sanctions need to be remade. And the Europe needs to realize and work for the for uh, decrease the uh, reliance on the Russian oil and gas. And it's uh, it's actually it's actually for the sake of. European energy security in a longer future. Madam Ambassador, uh, I won't uh, take more than a minute more of your time, but your president, Mr. Zelensky, is one of the world's most admired and respected leaders. 
How is he? His, his life has been under threat, we understand, daily. And yet he refused to leave Ukraine and still delivers a daily message to the people of the country. How is your president? I think a lot of uh, Canadian uh, students had a chance to uh, to talk and to see President Zelensky just uh, a week ago when he was making the address to the uh, 11 biggest uh, Canadian universities. And we are, we are very proud of having now such a leadership of the President Zelensky in this hardest time, in the wartime. And uh, he, he is working at enormous pressure and, uh, of course, the, the responsibility for all of the Ukrainians, for all of the Ukrainian nation, for each and every Ukrainian who was wounded during this war. And all of his efforts, uh, what he's doing is, is working with our partners, is working with our people both to join and to increase the support of Ukraine with our international partners and also uh, with the government working to, uh, to further stabilize and provide the Ukrainians, including those over 6 million of who are temporary displaced people inside the country to provide them with all of the funding needed just for the minimum survival. Okay. And here I would like actually to thank to thank Canadian government for providing a robust financial support that helps us to to keep these people with the minimum needs. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.